Hello, everyone. Welcome to our podcast. Here we will delicately and tactfully walk through each psychological issue. Psych! This podcast is meant for entertainment purposes only. This is not intended as individual, psychological, or medical advice. Please proceed at your own risk and always defer to your individual medical or mental health care team. Basically, don't make it weird, guys. Right. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to Shit Your Shrink Thanks. Makes me feel fine Blowing through the jasmine in my mind Wow, 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 wow That's good Yeah, That's good I was just having summer breeze blowing through my hair on the way over here And that's pretty much where I'm at That's how I got the intro Yeah, (laughs) There was no other It's not tied to anything It's not tied to anything (laughs) so hey guys welcome back to our podcast shit your shrink thinks this is a podcast about hmm, what should we say it's not advice it's more we are two shrinks telling you about what mental health and how we observe it yeah mental health and how we observe it from our perspectives (laughs) and we're, we're we're gonna give you from our side of the table what it looks like so welcome aboard and as a reminder, today we do have a Patreon. If you are liking what we're putting out there into the world, it would be very helpful to support us. Our yes. Patreon is www.patreon.com forward slash shit your shrink things. We've got a Gmail if you want to send us some topic ideas. Do it. Shit your shrink things at gmail.com. We've also got an Instagram, Twitter, etc. And so you can find us under the same names. But yeah. the most helpful thing is to like, rate, and review us on uh, your podcasting platform. Yeah. And follow. Follow. That helps. Yeah, follow. That's Follow the leader. That's the good thing. So what's good with you this week, Michaela? <laughs> so mine's not something that most would uh, associate with good, but mine is crying. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I actually, uh, crying washes away all of the sins. So it, go ahead. Yeah. So I just kind of want to normalize kind of crying and basically just letting yourself break down. I know some people don't really cry or they can't cry for one traumatic or you know reason for another (laughs) yep yep um but i've just had a. I feel attacked (laughs) (laughs) okay my one single tear i know get back in there tear (laughs) yeah no i'm a big ball bag um but i i've just had a really rough couple of months and i found myself crying a fair amount more than the norm Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) and I posted like a meme that I thought was pretty funny on Facebook that said like, on this beautiful day, be sure to take a break from crying at your desk to cry outside. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought it was funny and I kind of thought I was normalizing it. But man, a lot of people just don't know how to respond to crying, to crying or like that kind of expression of vulnerability. Yeah. I got some comments, you know, expressing that I'm cared about or that they're here for me or like sending prayers, which are, you know, it's great. That's good. I appreciate that. But it was also kind of like a meme and a joke. Yeah. Like I was trying to make light of it a little bit and normalize. And then there were some that were just like, don't be sad or don't cry, blah, blah. You got people that love you. And I'm like, 
Again, I know you're coming from a nice place, but that's really invalidating. <laughs> oh, that sends me into a rage immediately. Kay, thanks. I'm cured. Yeah. Like, I can be grateful for all my supports and know they're there and also have rough times. Uh, and part of why I'm crying is because I'm burnt out and overwhelmed. I do not have time for myself, so I do not have the capacity to reach out to somebody right now, Karen. <laughs> <laughs> Linda, get off my nuts. Yeah. Yeah. It is, it is a really weird experience to see how people deal with any expression of emotions. Yes. I, I For me, I, I it's easy because we do this all day. So yeah. I think it doesn't even, it's not a second thought to do something not stupid. <laughs> But it is really weird when somebody is like, um, please don't have that near me. Okay. Please stop doing that. Please stop. It's like, well, no, I can have sad moments too, man. Yeah, I'm allowed to have these. It is nice. And when you cry, you feel like a sense of relief. It actually does. Yeah, it feels so much better. Like there are times that I actually intentionally like try to make, like I I can't cry, but I can feel that I, I, I would feel better if I had. Yeah. And so, like, <laughs> I don't know, like, stub my toe or something. Like, yeah. try to make, like, I just for that release. Yeah. It yeah. does. It feels, you can feel it in your muscles. You mm-hmm. can feel it. Your emotions feel calmer afterwards. Yeah. It's, uh, it kind of brings down the reactivity. Yeah. I mean, there's legit chemical, you know. Changes. Changes that happen in our body after, after a good cry. Yeah. Just do it. It's fine. Just do it. Yeah. People and, are weird about it, though. Yeah. And if somebody says that they're crying, here, you know, go back to that validation episode. Yeah. Like, say, like, oh, man, like, life's got you by the balls. That sucks. Or, say, you know, like, yeah. say something validating. And yeah. then you can say you're supported and here for them. Yeah. And if you're witnessing somebody crying, maybe just don't say anything and just sit there with them mm-hmm. or, like, offer a hug. Or if they say, I need alone time, then walk away, man. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Hey, I noticed you're crying. What What do you need right now? That's an easy one. Yeah. What you need? What you need, buddy? And sometimes people will... <laughs> I often prefer people just ignore my emotional experience. <laughs> I'm like, I'm having this. Please move on. So I don't like it when people pay a large amount of attention to it. So yeah, it if somebody, you know, were to ask me like, hey, what do you need? I'd be like, just 30 seconds. I just need yeah. 30 seconds and then I'll be cool. But that, that you could just ask. You could just ask. But the validation episode will help with... Yes. With how to respond to other people's expressions. Yeah. Like, yeah. remember that you need to validate first. Yes. Before other things. And yes. I I was, A, just trying to normalize that we all can cry and have rough times. Yeah. And then it was like, don't be sad. And I'm like... It- cool i what? won't be yeah thanks okay cool. good i'm not sad anymore <laughs> perfectly really helped yeah you you did it that was it that was it i didn't spend so many years training to be a therapist to help people not feel sad yeah it was that was it just you tell me not to be magic wanted it i'm so impressed <laughs> and to uh, those like again if you are a friend or commented like i i lo- most of them were genuine just yeah, expressions yeah. of like we're here for you girl yeah. like type of things like yeah. i love you guys you're good but there was just a couple i'm like that's really invalidating yeah like <laughs> there's some standouts <laughs> yeah most are good most are good it's right. like how i always say 10 percent of my patients take 80 percent of my time right <sighs> yeah. so it's you yeah, yeah, yeah. you remember the 10 percent really hard difficult maybe unappreciative things that happen yeah. and then the rest is probably fine but you're you know we all pay attention to the other stuff we're like come on that's crazy right yeah 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 but so i just yeah my what's good is crying so okay. <laughs> what's yours sunny okay i'm gonna do a uh, use a cheap one this week which is the thing that you have in this recording oh. studio now <laughs> <laughs> i so, got a new toy yeah, michaela has placed this i'm not sure what to call it it is a 
maybe it, it's an incense burner okay it's an incense burner and it's it, it's a backflow incense burner is what it, they're called if you would have told me those words before i wouldn't have known so i'm going to describe it to the audience okay. it is a giant skull with a hood made of glitter and crystals inside of its mouth it's open gaping maw as i will call it and when it burns incense it the crystals kind of like change colors and then it will the incense will flow out down its mouth as if it's like fog and it will kind of hover over the surface creating like what looks like a lake of fog yeah beneath it yeah so it is deeply creepy and i love it i mean i i love it's this so thing creepy but pretty it is so freaking cool i can stare at it for a very long time and i am not high right now <laughs> like, man i could stare at this for a long time so that's why what's good this week it smells good it is scary and also pretty i like to think i relate to that <laughs> <laughs> I, I can relate to that too. <laughs> Damn, you're deeply scary. You're pretty though. You're pretty though. <laughs> oh man, you're. I don't know what you are, what you're used for, but uh, I like uh, your uh. glitter cloak. <laughs> That's, yes. So I'm relating to this skull figurine situation, and I I feel supported by it in Yay. our podcasting studio. So that's yep. why what's good this week. Cool. I like that. So what did we we had the outside of podcast experiment what did you do for your sunny yeah i so last week we talked a little bit about maslow's hierarchy of needs Mm -hmm. which is just saying that you have to get your basics met before you move on to higher level stages and i had realized that i was really neglecting maybe not neglecting but not uh paying attention to the importance of sleep with clients as much as i probably should have been that's right that's right and i went back to it with clients this last week to try to check in and to see, hey, how's everybody's sleep going? And I essentially did a sleep hygiene week with everybody. <laughs> and it was really effective. It, I mean, Yay. it was deeply, deeply effective. And it was just a reminder to me as a clinician and for all of those out there who are not sleeping well to remember, start there, really start there. Yeah. If it's not going well for you, you might find there was some study, I'm not going to get it right, about the link between sleep, depression, and anxiety. And sleep is one of the prime generators of mood disorder conditions. And that makes sense within mm-hmm. the context of Maslow's hierarchy. If if you're not getting that basic need, then you're not going to be able to fulfill Function. your emotions. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I went back and, yep, turns out lots of people are sleeping real, <laughs> real, real, real bad. And it was just a, a reminder because a lot of times I'll clean it up in the beginning of therapy with people, but then I won't check back in on it. Yeah, I do have a tendency. Like I'll start there and then I'll be like, okay, let's move forward. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then you keep thinking you're moving forward and then you forget, oh, okay. Wait, like they still haven't fixed this. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it was really helpful. I mean, I had one lady say, I got, you know, 10 hours of sleep last night for the first time in multiple years, and I've had a better mood ever since. So just it was it was quite rewarding to see how quick the turnaround is, too, as a therapist on the other side. So it's a big bang for your buck maneuver. That was what I did. Hell yeah. Yeah. How what did you try this week? So mine was just to share the Maslow's hierarchy of needs more frequently with my clients to aid in their self-compassion a little bit more, like maybe show the imagery or just be a little bit more specific, like yeah. <laughs> verbalizing, like this is a thing. <laughs> yes, that's um, helpful. Because I mean, I'll be like, well, yeah, you can't do that because of this, but I, I'm not always as specific. Like, no, this is like a research, like this is legitimate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, 
So I did do that with a few clients and, you know, there was one where, you know, they had a recent stroke Mm -hmm. and were really hard on themselves for just not doing the functioning they used to do. And I'm like, come on, man. So I was able to kind of pull it out there and help them be a little more empathetic towards themselves. Yeah. Um, So I just, I think this will be an ongoing goal for me to, to pull it out more frequently to just kind of help people. Be a little nicer to yourself. Yeah. yeah. It's okay. like it's understandable you're struggling. Yeah. I like the imagery there. I really do. Yeah. So this week we're talking about a specific symptom that is not necessarily linked to a particular disorder. It can be linked to a particular disorder, but it's more just a symptom. And this is the term or symptom dissociation. This was a request from an audience member who also happens to be a therapist herself. So what's up? You know who you are. Hey. (laughs) Shout out. Thanks for the idea. And as usual, we're going to start by defining the term dissociation. And I just want to say, please don't look at social media to get your definition of the term dissociation. I was just kind of curious and poking around Instagram the other day and TikTok and oh my God, it's a cesspool out there. It's like, you know, you know that people are not actually doctors or actually therapists that are telling you these terms, right? Please, for the love of God. Some of them say they are. I know they say those things. Well, and maybe some of them are. They're just not good ones. Yeah, that's actually very true. I would be really careful taking social media's uh, information about what anything mental health is because it is just, there's been some weird uptick lately in just inappropriate terminology use oh yeah well i I started back i mean we talked about the narcissism we talked about like the the empath oh my god i mean i can't yeah all that stuff has been i'm hashtag triggered (laughs) (laughs) i fucking can't anyway so just be aware that you might not be getting the best definitions out there uh and this is one of the ones that i saw that was uh, a frequent flyer in incorrect definitions so the the dsm says dissociation is a disruption or discontinuity in normal integration of consciousness, memory, identity, emotion, perception, body sensation, motor control, and behavior. So can you translate that for me, Michaela, (laughs) for the normies of the world? What the fuck is that? Well, so if you are not in the present reality, so your your integration of consciousness, so you're Mm -hmm. not fully present in the moment Mm -hmm. you're maybe not storing those things back into your memory bank right Mm -hmm. because we aren't present Mm -hmm. you might actually not be even aware of who you are Mm -hmm. or where you are yes your body representation again you might not necessarily feel within your body yes you might feel outside of it you might feel like it's not your body yeah (laughs) yeah um absolutely I've, and then, yeah, the motor control and behavior. So again, like you you don't feel like the movements that you're doing don't feel like you. Yeah. You feel uh, disconnected from your your physical experiences yes. and you are not totally in the present reality. Right. And I, I've heard clients describe it as, I feel like I'm floating above myself. I feel like I'm looking down on myself. Mm-hmm. I And I've also seen it experienced as a... Uh, this person feels like they're literally in a different time or place. I feel like I'm back in Vietnam. Yeah. I feel like I'm in the car crash. I feel like I am in the earthquake and I do not know that I am in right. your they're, office they're right now. They're within the legitimate flashback and they're not present where they are with that one yeah. specifically. Yeah. Or um, I've seen people just kind of like 
sitting down on the ground and kind of like moving away and just kind of blankly staring Mm -hmm. and like unable to mm, engage their limbs or move or speak again, those sorts of things. So those are all kind of dissociations and often they're triggered by a trauma cue. Yeah. So something in your environment reminds you of something very difficult that you've been through and you may feel as though you're out of your body unable to respond, frozen in a different time or place, but it can, it's usually associated with something in your environment. It's like a smell that you remember or a sound happens, like a loud bang or a smell of a particular cologne or perfume or Mm -hmm. maybe a siren, et cetera. Yeah cause the dissociative moment right and it, it's it can be very mild or brief it could be several seconds or it can be lengthier and more disruptive again like those full flashbacks or some people you know later we'll talk about some of the diagnosis they'll actually like it's called like dissociative fugue where they're actually mm-hmm. like going out and doing shit but they're not even they're not there yeah 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 <laughs> nobody's home <laughs> yeah yeah we're we're physically doing things and we are mentally floating above ourselves at this point in time yeah i will say often a flashback is considered a dissociative episode flashbacks are fairly rare in like yeah like full-blown flashbacks right yeah you might have a memory kind of like flashback trigger like where you're 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 visualizing that experience but a full flashback you're like you're in it like your body is responding like you're in it yeah so let's say that you had um been in a I don't know, a fire and you were trying to bang at the door to get out of the room in the fire and you got burned a little bit and you dragged your sister out of the fire with you, right? That was the trauma. You would, if you were in a full flashback, you would be acting as though you were in the fire. You might be banging banging on the door. door. Yeah. Yeah, You might be trying to pull someone who's next to you, even if it's not your sister. You might be coughing like you were in it, inhaling smoke. You might, yeah. So this would be like you cannot really tell the difference between present day reality and what would had happened back then. That's a full flashback. But a lot of us can dissociate too with just a memory happens. It's like playing in front of your eyes, kind of like a video recording, but you're not really mm-hmm. engaging with it that way and you look right. more frozen. Yeah. That's- and and you might still be having emotional experiences with, with that memory. Mm-hmm. Like you're you're having internal experiences, but it's not the full thing because you're not like your body isn't responding the same way yeah exactly that's just a basic dissociation and flashback is like a special different level um the term's been around for over 100 years i want to say it was coined when we were thinking about things like ptsd it didn't used to be Mm -hmm. called ptsd but neuroses i think was originally neuroses and then like shell shock shell and then shock. There's, yeah, yeah there's been a lot of different terms yeah. but when we started noticing that there was something like ptsd i think was when we started kind of saying oh that might be dissociation mm-hmm. so there's also some other disorders associated with dissociation the symptom and what might those be so one is dissociative amnesia so that is extensive forgetting typically associated with highly aversive events so when you have went through a traumatic experience, mm-hmm. you may not remember the full details of that thing mm-hmm. because it was so traumatic, your brain has just blocked it out. Like you, yep. you dissociated it, you weren't there, it didn't happen. Yep. That it's gone. Right. Erased from all ranks. Yep. (laughs) File deleted. I will say that sometimes when I am um, working with patients who don't have 
you know, who dissociated during the trauma and don't have a lot of the memories. There are like things around the memories that will stick yeah, out. Yeah, they might have like a couple yeah. bits and pieces, but it's not full. It's like yeah. it's like a, the puzzle isn't all there. Like exactly. They only have little pieces. Uh-huh. If it's a hundred piece puzzle, they might have 25 of the pieces sort yeah. of a thing. Yeah. 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 Another one is dissociative fugue. So that's a short-lived, refersible amnesia for personal identity. Um, it It's like a bewildered wandering is what I've heard it described as. And it's not always viewed as a separate disorder, but it's, it can be a feature of some. Um, I had a, one time I was on an inpatient unit actually, and I had a, oh, I'm going to make this up. I'm going to de-identify this. Let's say a surgeon who claimed that, no, let's change it, uh, an attorney who claimed that they're on inpatient unit because they had a dissociative fugue episode and had beat the crap out of somebody mm, and using it as an excuse. Yeah. Saying mm. that they were, you know, experiencing an episode of fugue and that they didn't remember any of it, which I call bullshit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, certainly. Yeah. If you're trying to get out of something, normally I feel like the ones that I've witnessed with this or observed about this or heard from about this I feel like, I don't know, they're almost like an older population half the time that I've seen happen with this. And then they're like just found in a different part of town somewhere else. They've been not, they didn't know their name or they used a different name. They didn't know who they were really. They just kind of. I don't usually see violent behavior. No, no. It's yeah. Like you said, it's more of a wandering. And then people are like, where the fuck is this person? (laughs) And then they find them and they're like, where have you been? And they're like, I don't know. Yeah. Like Fred, who's Fred? Yeah. Like what? Yeah. (laughs) And then you, you have to wonder too, or at least I always wonder about dissociative fugue and what the like medical side of this is. Cause it's like, yeah. Okay. There are so many things like medically, like a stroke or dementia, or, I mean, there are all sorts of a brain injury Mm -hmm. that can cause a fugue, like a a dissociation like state. I don't usually see this as uh, a purely psychological psychogenic issue. I see it as often it usually is where this is where medical starts to hit harder a little bit and i if somebody's telling me they're fuging out i'm like okay so we gotta we check your brain scan yeah <laughs> we need to do some mri yeah. yeah 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 we yeah. need to make sure you don't have a tumor that you're not having a stroke like right. i would not the, the benefit of working in a hospital is i would go i would call the md on this one yeah i agree i think yeah. with those situations it's worth looking into like the chances that that's purely a mental health situation i feel in is, those situations, yeah. like in the fugue situation, yeah. far, far, far between, not very, yeah. 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 And yeah. there are different types of seizures. Sure. Right. That can cause this to, to look like this. So right. I just, I don't know if I've ever seen a real case of this. Most of the time not it's like. in my professional yeah. encounters. Yeah. It can't, I mean, it doesn't mean it can't happen, but right. when in my professional encounters, it's been like, just kidding, you had a stroke. Yeah. Just kidding. You actually had uh a, a seizure yeah, or a tumor seizure. or something. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So we always want to check that out. And if somebody isn't ruling out a medical condition, you always need to rule out the medical conditions first. Yes. Here. Yeah. Yeah. I think people forget about that a lot. And they're like, well, it's probably psychological. It's like, well, let's just please make sure they're let's not. Let's do a whole assessment, though. Yeah. We have... We have tools and shit for that. Like, yeah. Let's let's do it. Let's super make sure they're not dying first. The body yeah. must survive in order for the mind to thrive, as my supervisor says. <laughs> uh, and the last one is dissociative identity disorder. Oh, you picked, you skipped one. Oh, sorry. Depersonalization and derealization disorder. Yes. Feeling as though one is an outside observer of 
one's body. So this is like a chronic, I just, I never feel like I'm in my body. Mm -hmm. I always feel like I'm separated and watching things from the outside. Yeah. And it causes a social disturbance. It causes um, uh, relational disturbances with people and Mm -hmm. may cause work interference. Yeah. And again, I feel like the ones that I've actually heard of related to this, it really is a huge, it was because of a trauma trigger. Like it started to become a thing because they they couldn't be present in their body during that trauma and now anything that even is remotely like that they're they don't feel like they're in their body yeah yep i'm totally in agreement with you so what's the last one i kind of gave it away a little yeah the last one is dissociative identity disorder or did which is experiencing two or more distinct identities recurrently to take control over one's behavior so this is what people used to call multiple personality disorder yep yeah and Again, with that, I mean, I've I've heard of it where they do have that depersonalization sometimes yeah. with some of them, or or yeah. again, or it is just like a new personality comes out, right? Um, and often trauma associated. Yeah, yes. I a really good book um, that gives kind of a first person experience of that is called A Sum of My Parts, mm-hmm. and she talks kind of about how it all or like she's had a lot of treatment to where she can kind of process and has you know kind of met some of her personalities or whatever and they every single one was triggered by a trauma very like <laughs> it is very interesting yeah yeah I, um that surprises me zero about the the trauma relationship yeah, there. yeah yeah and most of them are kind of pretty violent sexual situations yep. too yep and because of it then she would end up getting into more like she would you know get out of her body which would then get her even more in risky situations yeah that's that's (laughs) actually a good point about dissociation is Mm -hmm. part of the reason why we try to attack that as therapists is we want to get you in your body so that you're receiving all the types of emotional and physical cues you need to understand when danger is actually happening yeah so you can get gtfo so you can respond appropriately yeah Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) instead of just like laying there and be like oh shit here i am now. yeah exactly Yeah. yeah Good point. Yeah. So there are dissociative states, which are temporary. And that's just like, hey, I'm just in this state of mind right now. You can think of it that way. And dissociative traits. So state is viewed as transient. That just means it's temporary. It lasts a few minutes or a few hours. And trait is like, this is a part of your personality. It's so common. It's so chronic Mm -hmm. that you are experiencing it all the time. Um, But I would say the the state is a lot more common. I don't usually see trait. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Agreed. So now that we know what it is, what creates dissociation? We've we've kind of talked about it a little, but we'll go into more detail. So what makes somebody dissociate? Typically, you know, again, it's it's an outside trigger and it's involuntary. It's yep. a it's a pathological thing that's occurring and we're not we're not like, mm, I'm going to dissociate right now. You know, right. it's, not, it's right. not like they're making a choice to dissociate. It's It's been a defense kind of mechanism for their experience mm-hmm. to help them survive that experience. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, it, it becomes unhelpful in the long run. But yeah. in the moment, it was a survival instinct. Yeah. And so it becomes an an involuntary thing that their their mind and body does. Yeah. And I this is like 
one of the big mistakes I see on social media. And I'll joke, I mean, I'll joke like, well, I'm just going to dissociate, right? Like as if it's a a choice or like, but really what I mean is just I'm going to tune out or really what the Instagram or TikTok people mean is like, I'm just going to tune out or like kind of mentally check out of this situation. I do that all the fucking time. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I can totally just like not be fully present and glassy eyed (laughs) <laughs> whenevs but <laughs> at but, will <laughs> yeah well and, and i mean i'm not always necessarily doing it intentionally but again it's not it's yeah. not this it's not this clinical level. yeah yeah it's not a clinical dissociation yeah it's more like a daydreaming or a yes there's a difference between inattention yes daydreaming checking out tuning out and dissociation dissociation is like this is causing very real impairment it's not in this person's control right at all right yeah that's (laughs) it i'm glad we made that distinction yeah because i think i mean i think about how often people talk about like dissociating while they're driving and it's like like if they're doing like a long habitual drive it's Mm -hmm. like well i mean you kind of are i get i get what you're saying you're not fully present yeah and you're not fully there but you're also not clinically dissociated. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, right. I call it zombie driving. It happens yeah. sometimes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, that's normal. Like, that's common. It's yeah. also a, uh, if you know anything about cognition, just how thinking about thinking and attention, we are really, as human beings, we will divert attention away from things that are habitual. Mm-hmm. And so it's not necessarily that we are dissociating. It's just that this is how our brain works, is that if it's a it's habit... saving energy. Yeah. It's, it's like, eh, you don't need to pay attention to this. We'll just motor muscle it through. Yeah, it's just a, <laughs> a background computer program. Right? Yeah. Yeah, we don't need to... You, when you're having a conversation with somebody who is very boring, oh, and God. you've had this same conversation <laughs> with them over and over again, you just make non-committal noises the entire time. Like, meh, mm-hmm, yeah, oh, wow. How'd that go? Interesting. <laughs> For those of you who that sounds familiar to, maybe don't be so boring to me. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, but so that is not that is not dissociation. Right. So I, I found I was kind of looking into one of the bread and butter, at least of psychology, is that we like to measure stuff really well. We like to do we like to develop measurement and yeah and to see okay what is this we we like to present symptoms and then make sure they are distinct from other symptoms Mm -hmm. and create measures of those symptoms but the problem is is that there aren't actually that many good measures of dissociation that i found so i i mostly saw them in structured clinical interviews things like the skid or Mm. Uh, some of the trauma questionnaires, but these are just symptom questionnaires. They're not actually measures specifically of dissociation. They're of yeah. another disorder, let's say. And so I thought that was interesting because I thought hmm, probably it would be the case that there's not a lot of great research on what makes dissociation different from other things and yeah. uh, how could we measure it and study it. Definitely. Well, and I, I can see how it'd be kind of hard to a hard thing to study because it is so involuntary. People don't know necessarily when they're going to have yeah. it. And, you know, you can't just like, <laughs> yeah, lock somebody in a room for forever. And yeah. Oh, it, yeah. I could, that would be a hard, hard thing to examine fully and completely. Yeah. And I think too, I mean, how are you going to have a historical accuracy if part of dissociation is you don't know what's going on when it's happening? Yeah. Right? Good point. So that would be a really hard to measure symptom. Yeah. 
What I did find is that we can guess with some fair certainty that dissociation is caused by criterion A trauma events. So we talked about that. We know that it's probably caused by traumas. And we know that, so I, I found one study that said in admissions to hospital psychiatric clinics, about in one study, they found that about 71% of patients with dissociative related disorders or symptoms did report some childhood, either physical abuse, um, 75% had a sexual abuse history compared with only 28% um, who didn't. So I mean, this is pretty good information here that just it's just one study, but it's like, okay, hey, yeah. we, we are noticing that this particular symptom profile is tied with trauma so for what that's worth to folks we might not be able to study it well but we can correlate it yes and we know that right correlation doesn't imply causation yeah, right, right 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 but it's something it's, it's something, something to, to observe and to consider yeah so how does this show up in session so we've kind of talked a little bit about this but let's yeah yeah say a little more well uh I did talk about flashbacks to begin with, and yeah, I would say that, like I said, those are extremely rare, mm-hmm. um, but I've actually seen uh, this happen a couple times, so examples I can give are one time I was seeing a client who he had been in a combat zone, and there was a, I want to say it was a tornado siren or a hospital siren, like a mm. fire alarm or yeah. something like that, and it mimicked a airstrike siren, mm. and uh I got grabbed and shoved under a desk and called Howard. So, <laughs> you know, that's cool. I can be Howard, whatever. Yeah. Uh, but that was a full bone fat flashback. And I've also seen dissociation, though. It Usually it looks like non-responsiveness, just eyes glazing over, slow and soft responses. Yeah. So, it's usually that somebody kind of curls up within themselves and mm-hmm. I will, it typically happens if we're doing some kind of processing of the trauma, even if we're not talking about it directly, but if we're like, hey, yeah, you know. Yeah, doing a little bit of that exposure stuff. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Like, let's say it's Mother's Day and I'm like, you know, know that this patient had a hard time with their mom because of some, I don't know, uh, emotional abuse history or physical abuse history. And I say, okay, so how was Mother's Day for you? Because I know you were worried that that was pretty hard. And they might start talking about, well, honestly, it reminded me of the time when, and then I'll see their voice kind of drop and they'll kind of like zone out a little bit Mm -hmm. and they'll get maybe like a little stiff or rigid. Their eyes will get a little wide and I'll be like, hey, you know, let's say Michaela, come on back. How are you doing? What you thinking about? And then there's really not a lot of engagement right yeah again the the slow responsiveness they're they're not "Hmm, what yeah 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 it seems like maybe they just woke up or right what is what do you see normally i think that's i see that probably the most is that non-responsiveness glassy-eyed kind of slow response but you know it, it can sometimes look like the memory attention or concentration issues which can sometimes oh, good get point. Mm-hmm. mislabeled mm-hmm. <laughs> as somebody being unmotivated or having adhd yeah um, but the one you know i also see it where they're you know they're just they're just not there you know they they look literally distant like again their eyes are just kind of Mm-hmm. gone mm-hmm. and then you know they'll snap back and kind of be like what was going on like they'll yeah where was <laughs> like where am i what's going on <laughs> yeah and i want to go back to i think that's actually a really interesting thing that happens in now i don't know pediatrics that well like let me be really clear right uh, yeah but, we are not specialists mm, with children no 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 but if you do i i see a lot of kids misdiagnosed with adhd or 
just being said, like, they're not trying hard enough in school or things like that when they're actively involved in a traumatic environment. And maybe they just get out of it. They're dissociating a lot and they're having a hard time paying attention in class because mm-hmm. they're literally being triggered all the time. That It can really mirror appearing as if it's a learning disorder in adults and children, which is yeah. really interesting um, because it causes the same disruptions in concentration and attention right and 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 memory i mean you weren't there you're not going it's not going in the memory (laughs) bank man (laughs) like (laughs) you're not catching the nuggets you're not catching if you're not there to catch the information mentally there's no way it's going to be encoded and stored so when you go back for retrieval later it simply will not be there if you've dissociated yeah and actually you know an interesting fact a lot of patients will tell me like I feel like after the traumas happened, then like I only have, I kind of have like spotty memories through the rest of the time after that. It's like I missed out on large pieces of Mm -hmm. my time or life. And a lot of that is because they're dissociating so frequently that they're not actually encoding the new information that's coming in because they're still in other trauma situations. And so they they literally will not remember other pieces even after the trauma. And it's like, well, yeah, because... Yeah, you, you were still dissociating quite frequently. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is not resolved. And it, I think it can cause people to feel like they're kind of missing time. And that's, that's not great. But that is how it does tend to show up for me in session. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. I haven't actually in session had too many of the legit flashbacks i've definitely had the people who get overwhelmed with their memories and yeah and get a little you know and we bring them back that way but mm-hmm. not where they physically grab me or like been like you know behaviorally doing the the actions of that yeah i definitely had one where i walked up on somebody's bad side i didn't realize that the person had a like a history of like being assaulted from one side so i kind of like walked mm-hmm. up on their blind spot and said like hey mr smith and definitely almost got a face full of his cane and <laughs> called his dad's name. So that was, you know, just everybody's flashing back. No big deal. And I, we, we have to deal with that pretty frequently as clinicians. So how do we treat or deal with this actually in session? What do we do when it happens? So, I mean, in session, you, you know, you need to kind of help the person not dissociate during their exposure. So yes. again, that prolonged exposure therapy is... Although it's going to be tough, that, yep. that's the way that we get through it. So we don't, you know, we don't, we're trying to untrain our brain yeah. from going elsewhere and, and kind of tolerating that experience. Yeah. So basically in layman's terms, what that means is we're going to need to talk about the trauma in some fashion, mm-hmm. in some way. It doesn't have to be like totally direct. I do prefer direct because it tends to work faster and uh, more cleanly. But some folks are unable to talk about it as directly. Mm-hmm. And so what we will do is we need to help you stay present during the memory. Yeah. Uh, but if you do dissociate, there are some tips. Yeah, we'll try to bring you back with grounding skills. So that is getting your into your body with your five senses. Mm-hmm. What do you smell? What do you feel physically? Like, how's your shirt feel on your, you know, thing? What do you see around the room? What are some five things that you can see? What are you hearing? What noises mm-hmm. are happening? You know, yep. really, you know, is there any taste in your mouth? Can you taste that coffee <laughs> breath from this morning? Yeah, yeah. You know, trying to get you to literally physically engage with your body and and be aware is yep. a, a good way to kind of get you back yep five four three two one five things you see four things you hear three things you smell two things you touch and one thing you taste yeah or whatever like we can do one. we can do it in any order it doesn't really matter touch is actually my favorite for grounding i agree i think that one helps people the most yeah because you're 
it's an easier sense to engage with. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And on that note, I often will use a token. So like I have little objects all around my office and I will, you know, ask somebody's consent, but I'll go get one of the little objects, whether it's a tiny little stone or a coin or mm, something. Yeah. And I will say, hey, Miss Smith, um, I notice that I'll kind of like stand further away. I notice that it seems like you were in a faraway place right now, you might be dissociating. Can I have my your permission to hand you this object? And usually there's enough awareness to take the object. Sometimes there's not, and I wouldn't do it then, but usually there's enough to ob- awareness to take the object. And when they do, I will have them pay attention to that token and right. like feel Rub along it. the How ridges, yeah. Yeah. temperature, mm-hmm. texture. I always make a joke at the end when they're kind of coming back, please don't taste that. <laughs> <laughs> and usually and usually people are like, oh, ha. Like it's funny and not funny. I do it to see where their head's at because if yeah. they can like catch that I've made a joke, okay, we're kind of more out of the dissociation. I use humor a lot like in a way to Gage. – I am gauging you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> gauging you but also – you know, trying to yeah, I'm lightening yeah. the mood, but I am right. also checking. There yeah. is a I, I nothing is done unintentionally in those <laughs> sessions. I am like a creepy, creepy little bird always watching you. Uh, but so I will walk through with a token, um, and like you said, labeling things in the room, yeah, is another good option. What else can we try to help people not dissociate in session? We can also help them try to label that emotional experience that they're having. You know, what what is the internal process going on with you right now? And, you know, mm-hmm. even even with that, where do you feel it in your body? You know, again, yeah. with with those emotions are a lot of physical sensations. So even by just trying to label that physical sensation, you're you're reengaging with the yeah. present moment. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I agree with that totally. And I think too it helps not to go too fast. I mean, the motto of any trauma processing is start low and go slow. So we're not going to throw you into a memory. We might just be like, talk about how your Mother's Day went and then like something that recently happened that you remember about your mom or a general personality trait that's difficult or whatever it is. Um, I'm picking on moms right now. (laughs) Yeah. Could be anybody. (laughs) But yeah, we're not going to just like throw you in the pool. We're going to let you tip your, dip your toe in. Yeah. And, and kind of let you process what that feels like with your toe in. We're not just going to be like, (laughs) yep. Yeah. Cause that's a recipe for dissociation. That's a trigger, right? That's re-traumatizing is just be like, Hey, let's talk about, and then just blab the whole thing out loud and be very unsensitive about it. Right. Insensitive about it. I don't know, man. Insensitive. (laughs) (laughs) That would not be a way to... It wouldn't be effective. Yeah. And frankly, you're going to end up ruining your rapport. Yeah. They probably aren't going to come back because it was so traumatizing to do it that way. Like exactly. You've just ruined the whole experience and now it's going to take them five years to decide to go to therapy again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You've really got to read that room right. I mean, I think that used to be called flooding, right? Yeah. You're right. That was a a term. I mean, that was a thing they legit used to do. Yeah. You know, back in... It would be Lobotomy like type days. Yeah, like, quite, oh happen. yo, you're afraid of snakes. Here's eight snakes, bitch. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like push. Here's a room full of snakes. Now you're locked in. Like it, that's flooding. Like oh yeah. okay, we're gonna expose you to this phobia in like a very serious way. The problem is, is that that leads people into such a high anxiety level that they can't process that the situation is safe, and also they dissociate. So right. we can't. They can't learn 
it is difficult to learn or retain new information as we've talked about when you are actively dissociating. You're not encoding it. So right. which is why you have to slowly do it so yeah. you can be present and encode it yeah. and learn to not be afraid of being in that moment. Yeah. And I've seen a lot as a therapist too when people a lot of times when people aren't getting concepts repeatedly is because they're dissociating in session. If I feel like I'm repeating the same stuff again and again and again, and it's like, wait, we know this. I know you know this. What's going on here? I will kind of sit back and think, ah, I wonder if they've been dissociating a little <laughs> bit. Like they may not be fully engaged. It's time to check into some of the things that happen to people's attention at right. that point. Yeah. So based on all that, uh, what do we want to do for an outside the podcast experiment? So I do think I just want to try to do a few more grounding exercises myself. Yeah. You know, get, get, I, again, I uh, daydream a lot. Like mm -hmm. I will, I will just kind of randomly check out when the reality is if I would be mindful and be in my body, you know, think about washing the dishes, mm -hmm. very habitual, mm -hmm. easy to daydream, not be present and glassy eyed, whatever. Yeah. But it's actually a really good mindfulness exercise. Like if you would ground yourself and be in yeah. that moment. It can be really cathartic and helpful. So I think I'll kick that up enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I'm just going to notice when I'm dissociating <laughs> because I uh, actually do and did not know I do until like uh, this is a, this is a strange example, but I was in one city. Oh, I'm going to make this up. Let's say I was in I'm in La, I'm in La Crosse, Wisconsin. Okay. And I woke up one day in La Crosse, Wisconsin, and I was in a town that reminded me of something else. And the town was a trigger for a different town that I had been in when something negative had happened. And I literally, for probably like a minute or two, like became disoriented and did not realize I was in La Crosse and th thought I was in, you know, somewhere in Alabama mm -hmm. for a minute, like literally. And I just, I wouldn't, I don't remember being like super afraid or confused. I was just like, oh, that was weird. Like, I just thought I was in a different town and then like m much later i was like oh that's dissociating <laughs> uh oh that's like closer to full flashback range interesting or like i yeah. will hear a um certain like set of noises or a voice and i will like kind of see a person next to me as if they are like i'll have to quick blink and think they're somebody else and then quick blink and then okay they're so mm. mine are like really quick yeah their, yeah. their state um but i never really i had no idea that they were happening which i was like oh no your girl's a little more severe yeah, than she thought she yeah. was but like it was it was good information and i had never clocked it as that until very recently so it was just like it's something to pay attention to it's not something i can do a whole lot about i probably i still need to be doing mindfulness and i'm doing like freaking zero of that i'm yeah I the know. worst Mine's bad right now <laughs> <laughs> the worst at that and if i did that it would probably really help mm -hmm. um, but for right now i'm just in like a measurement based phase of hey that's weird <laughs> let me see how often is that happening and is that actually a problem i need to address or am i gonna just call that a minor peccadillo and just move on with my life because honestly I, it's not causing me a lot of distress yeah. at this time it's just like a thing that happens right and yeah i mean it's not a disorder unless it's stressing right. me yeah. or somebody else out well, that's kind of where i'm at with mine honestly is like when i check out i mean I, I do I do it more frequently than I care to admit. Yeah, to be honest. Yeah, and it's not intentional. It's I'm I'm nope. I'm just my processing is done. Yep. I'm overloaded and yep. I'm checking out. Yeah, 
And you're like, I don't know. You know, it's not hurting me. It's not hurting anybody else. I don't know if I'm motivated to change this. It's just like looking into the system. Mm -hmm. And I, that's why I want to keep normalizing. Everybody thinks it's like some, you know, it's a mental illness if you have these problems in isolation. It's like, well, everybody has a constellation of mental health things going on. It's really how disruptive it is <laughs> or right. that's what I tell myself anyway. Nope. That's what the DSM says. A, yeah, I say, yeah. Every single diagnosis talks about it being impacting your functioning. Yep. So if it is impacting your functioning, then it can qualify potentially for a diagnosis. Right. Exactly. If you're having those symptoms, but you doing just fine, butter. Yeah. Then, yeah. Yeah. You know. it, yeah. If I think I'm in another city for like one whole minute and that's kind of weird, but it doesn't freak me out. Yeah, okay. Like, so I'm just going to kind of watch it and monitor it and see what's going on there. That's cool. I've got a joke for you this week. Yeah. Okay, it's a short one. Hey, have you heard of Stanley Milgram? No. His methods are effective, but a bit shocking. (laughs) (laughs) So Milgram is the guy who ran the Stanley Milgram experiments where he shocked a bunch of people. people to see their response. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. Anyway. That's the Milgram joke. We'll have yeah. to, we should talk, we should have an episode about classic psychology experiments. Ooh. That would be a really cool one, that actually. That would be an interesting one. Yeah. Anyway, 101. Yeah. What did the woman with dissociative identity disorder tell her therapist? I don't know. What? Let me be frank with you. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. I love it. I love it. Tongue in cheek, everybody. Remember, we're not yes. making fun. No. You are fine. We are fine. <laughs> Everything is fine. Yeah. <laughs> Everything is awesome. Yeah. Uh, talk about invalidation, right? Right. That, that song, Everything <laughs> yeah. is awesome. Anyway, guys, well, thanks so much for tuning into our dissociation episode, and we will see you next week. Yeah. See you next week. Bye. Bye.